Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to the Irish Times Business Podcast. Brought to you by Ryanair Business Plus. Business made simple. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Irish Times Business Podcast. I'm Kieran Hancock and joining me in studio this week is Andrew Langford, Chief Executive of Irish-owned insurance group FBD, which has more than 500,000 customers across home, motor, business and agri-insurance. It also owns the nonsense.ie brand and has a property and leisure joint venture. Andrew, welcome to studio. Now, Andrew, last week FPD reported a pre-tax profit of 3.3 million euro for the six months to the end of June, but that was well down on the 19.1 million euro in the same period of last year. Why so? Okay, Kieran. Well, there were two primary uh, contributors to the reduction in our profitability, and they were both around claims costs, but they were quite different in their nature. The first, um, and probably the more significant of the two, resulted in weather claims. So, uh, in the first six weeks of the year, um, our customers endured a torrid time from the wind and I think actually since we announced our results uh, some researchers in the NUI Maynooth have said that the first six weeks of this year were the most severe in 143 years in terms of windstorms so um, unfortunately the biggest risk for our for many of our customers is windstorms because we still have a very significant number of farmers insured and many farmers build their houses and their outbuildings in open locations open locations and on higher ground so they're very very flood very good flood risk and you were making the point last week that you were probably worse hit than many of your rivals in relation to the storms yeah well there's no doubt we were and I think our total cost for the six weeks was 44 million gross of reinsurance and that is by far the largest weather cost um, that FPD have endured in, in any six month period and the reason for that is as I said our customers are probably more exposed than other insurers customers to wind um, and also the windstorms and particularly the largest windstorm which was Storm Darwin which hit on the 12th of February that actually um, the trajectory or the path of that storm um, was across the areas where agriculture is probably strongest in Ireland and where our exposure will be highest. So, so like Kerry, Cork, Tip, It was Cork, Limerick. Tipperary, Limerick, West Clare, uh, East Clare, West Waterford and Kerry were probably the strongest hit and they would be the areas, in fact, where our exposure is by far the highest. Right, OK. So what's that going to mean for uh, home premiums or business premiums, farm premiums, uh, etc.? Are you going to have to increase your prices? 
Um, no, we we don't actually plan at the moment to increase our prices for farm, business or home insurance. And the reason for that is, is I guess, Kieran, uh, this is the game that we're in and we ins- this is what we insure people against. And particularly for property premium, um, catastrophe is really one of the biggest perils. And we factor in the price of catastrophes and, and severe events happening every so often. And there haven't been any really for the last three or four years and that's been very good for our profitability uh, in the current year there have been more than you would normally expect and I guess we're just going to have to take those on the chin and as a result we're not forecasting any increases particularly in property premiums Okay now there's less good news on the motor front isn't that right you're, you're forecasting uh, a 10% unfortunately, rise Yeah un- unfortunately I think there are and I guess the other feature in, in our results was that we have seen as the economy recovered and I guess an economic recovery and a turn, a turn in the economy is good news for Ireland and it's good news for Irish companies including FBD and it will provide us with a lot more opportunity in the future but in, in the last um, number of months we've noticed quite um, quite a rise in the number of car accidents that, that, are out, that, are, that are happening. The reason for that is that there are more people driving, there's far more petrol and diesel being sold uh, in, the, uh, in the economy and as the economy recovers there's more traffic, uh, there's more activity in the roads and that's leading to more claims. Now I guess um, that has, uh, is exacerbating a situation where the Irish car insurance market is probably um, quite underpriced at the moment anyway and recent results from the Irish insurance industry show that Irish car insurers lost over a quarter of a billion euro uh, cumulatively in the last three years. So that's an average. On average, for every €100 euro they, they've taken in over the last three years, they paid out 112 So I guess in a market that was already under underpriced and quite competitive, the cost of providing insurance is going up. So unfortunately, I think that that means that uh, premiums will have to rise. And yet a lot of people, that might raise a few eyebrows because the cost of car insurance has been ticking up each year for probably the past... Five, six years? I wouldn't, I, I, I'm not quite sure about that really. I think the, the price of car insurance, particularly I'd say since 2011, has been quite low and has been a level lower po- possibly than you expect. And I think that um, the most recent statistics show that the price of car insurance in Ireland is now probably half what it is in the UK. And that comes from a historic situation where it might have been twice what it is in the UK. So car insurance premiums are um, too low at the moment. And I think they have been for the last three years, but particularly as the cost of providing that that cover and covering that risk is increasing, I think the prices do need to go up. Obviously, if there's more cars on the road, there, there's more premium income to be earned. Um, why does it follow that because there are more cars on the road, it's a bad thing for you guys because you know, there are more accidents. How does it follow necessarily that there are more accidents as a result of there being more cars? Well, I think we actually saw, we saw the opposite happening really uh, in the downturn. So as there, there's less road activity, you would expect there to be less accidents. And I guess that, I think that happens. Any insurance market sees that. So when there's lo- less activity, and it's the same for liability insurance. So if there's less people um, out and being active and in shops and pubs and restaurants, etc., well, then there's less claims. And the same is true of car insurance. So if people are driving their cars less, there'd be less claims if they're driving their car more there'd be more claims mm. and you claim that the price of car insurance on average has been coming down across uh, across the board over the last three years is that there's, right? there's absolutely no doubt about it ok I must be with the wrong company because every year they seem to be trying to well, um, stiff me for a price increase well you should maybe you should shop around a bit more and, uh, and ring us I mean, are the companies not um, their own worst enemies in this respect? I mean, every evening when you turn on the television or you turn on a radio in your car, etc., as you're driving around, you hear ads for the likes of FPD, for Liberty Insurance, RSA, Aviva, you name it, and they're all making a virtue out of the fact that you can get insurance from X amount, 219, 239, whatever it might be. Uh, So are you not victims of 
are you not creating this mess yourself? Well, I guess that that's possibly fair enough comment, Kieran. I have to say I can't disagree with that too much. And I think really to maybe understand why that might happen or have happened, I think, you know, the Irish in, uh, insurance industry has shrunk pretty dramatically over the last number of years. So in 2003, the Irish insurance industry's total revenue was 4.3 billion euro. Last year, it was 2.5 billion euro. So in that context, and there's the same number of players, I think it's natural that you're going to see uh, more competition than you would usually. And uh, I guess many players are uh, loath to um, to see their top line revenue reducing. So I think that is a function of uh, a reducing economy. So they're probably, you know, there's less there's less premium for people to fight for and in that context I think um, that has led to more competition than perhaps is healthy in the long term. Just going back to house policies for a moment we've seen house prices increase over the past year or so construction costs I think are increasing Mm. as well. Should people be insuring themselves for you know a higher amount than they have been doing over the past number of years? Well, Well I think in time they will but I don't think that time is just yet. And I think maybe construction costs in some areas have increased, but I guess, uh, and what we insure, okay, what insurers um, are covering for people is the rebuilding cost of their house if something goes wrong. And that rebuild cost, and this is one of the reasons, uh, this is one of the things that contributed to the reduction in the Irish, um, the total Irish insurance market is people's rebuild costs reduced, reduced, reduced. So on average, you know, for the last six years, people's rebuilding costs have probably been reducing by four or five percent. It probably has got to a stage, mind you, where um, the cost has got to a level below which it won't go. I don't think it's begun to rise. We're keeping a close eye on that. Um, but when it does rise, I think it's likely that the best things that insurers can do to protect their customers and to make sure they're properly insured is they can index their policy in line with a building's inflation index every year. But I don't think we're quite there yet. Okay, now another leg of your business is investment returns. Yeah. And that's been a problem area for you as well, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I guess I, I wouldn't like to say there's been a problem area, Kieran. I guess what insurers do is insurers, obviously, uh, you know, they, they, they set a premium and they predict a claims cost and in, in their customers have claims and, and in the intervening period between those claims, the premium being taken in and the claim being paid, we hold uh, the premium on behalf of our customers, okay, and then they're paid out as claims. So typically an insurer should have something roughly uh, about twice or two and a half times the amount of premiums they write them, plus their own capital, and and we invest those. And I guess the return that we generate is a combination of any underwriting profit or loss that we make, uh, the difference between premium and claims, and in addition to that, we uh, we get the use of of those funds for investment. The investment return environment has been and, um, you know, investment yields are very, very low and they continue to go lower. And that's a, a function of the monetary policies that the ECB have in place. So it means that the money that we have, uh, that we are holding on our customers' behalf, we're probably earning something like a yield of one and a quarter percent on it. OK, you could take a lot more risk. Um, but I guess How much is held in cash and bonds? We have, um, we have, our, our, we have about ninety percent of our money is held. We have investment assets of about a billion, and about ninety percent are in cash and bonds. And that is nearly all in cash at this stage because bonds um, are so um, overvalued in our view. And it's really whether they're over or undervalued isn't necessarily uh, isn't necessarily the issue. It's the fact that there is potential volatility, you know, so if bond yields come out very quickly for whatever reason, um, we, could, we might end up incurring 
a loss that we wouldn't want to. So we see that as too risky at the moment. So most of our most of our funds are in cash. So I think we've almost 500 million invested uh, in deposits at the moment. But I guess the way we look at it is if investment yields are low, um, the, it means that the returns that we have to make, uh, the, we have to make our return on uh, the underwriting side more so than you normally would, which I guess is, is the reason why the, the operating ratios that the Irish insurance industry is running are particularly unattractive. They, might, they wouldn't be too unattractive in a high-yield environment, but the fact that yields are low make um, the, the underwriting return even less sustainable. So just to be clear, just for the benefit of listeners, um, there are two ways in which you make a return. You make a return on premiums yeah. and you make a return on the investments yeah. that you make. Yes. Um, and in some years, you lose money on the underwriting effectively, but yeah. you hope to make it on the investments. Um, and in really good years, you make returns in both and you're in clover. Um, yes, and in the really bad years, we might lose some money in both here, but we try and avoid that. And I guess we try in, in our investment portfolio to take as little risk as we can because we don't see that necessarily as our function. So we are not taking risk in order to try and generate extra return to supplement any deficit in, in underwriting. And that's why our portfolio is very low risk at the moment. That means that the returns are low. Um, and certainly the way that solvency rules are going, I think, f- will force other insurers to do that anyway. Um, so if returns on, on investments are low, it means that the return needs to more and more come from the underwriting side. And Andrew, you also have a joint venture in property and leisure. Uh, yeah. Explain that to us. You have four hotels in Ireland and yeah. you have two resorts in Spain, isn't that right? Yeah, well, we have a 50% share in a joint venture which holds those assets. And we entered into that joint venture um, in 2011. And the objective of that shareholder is we have um, six fantastic assets and they're, they're all good businesses in good locations and they're all very well run and managed and they've got great staff. And the objective is of the joint venture is to make sure that um, value is realised for the shareholders of the, that joint venture over time. Okay, now the four hotels in Ireland, Temple Bar Hotel, Fate Leg in Waterford, the Tower Hotel in Waterford and, and the Castle Knock mm-hmm. uh, in Dublin. Some some of our listeners might have stayed in one of those properties. And the decision has been taken now to sell the Temple Bar property. Correct. Right, yes. why is that? Um, as I said, the, the, the very clear strategy of the joint venture is to realise value over time. And the Temple Bar Hotel um, is, an, is a, an absolutely fantastic property. It's in a great location. It has, it has um, a fantastic base of customers and it also uh, is very well run. And it probably, it also has potential for the future. Now, the market for Dublin hotels at the moment and Dublin city centre hotels, you know, there is a strong, appears to be a strong market. Four years ago, there was no market for any hotels in Ireland particularly. There's a strong market at the moment for those and the joint venture is fortunate that uh, we have an asset that that is in that market, and we are testing to see. Um, to, we are testing to see can we get the, the type of uh, price range we're looking for for that asset right. to realise that value for for the shareholders. What are you hoping to get for it? I think the guide price, and I think in today's Irish Times, uh, was between twenty seven and thirty million euros. What we'd be hoping to get, and that is an asset that has performed. We've uh, the joint venture. Uh, and its predecessors have held it since 1994 and is, is an asset that, asset that has consistently been profitable and cash generative in good times and in bad. Okay, and what about Castleknock, Faith Leg and, and Tower? As you say, Irish hotels are hot at the minute with international investors. Yeah. Uh, would you consider selling those three? Well, I guess the Dublin hotel market is, a li- the Dublin city centre market is certainly um, head and shoulders above uh, the, the other Irish hotel markets at the moment. 
And that will not always be the case. But I guess the joint venture, when we entered into the joint venture, the objective was to realise value, not particularly to realise it within a very short time frame, because that might not be the right thing to do for shareholders. But the joint venture has a time frame of at least between five and ten years. So we are in no rush um, whatsoever uh, to, to sell any of the other assets and we've no plans to sell any of the of the other assets until the markets in which they operate uh, recover to a more normal yeah. level. Is property and leisure not a bit of an unusual kind of sideshow for an insurance company such as FPD? Yeah. Um, well, I guess that and that is... Um, I would probably have to go into a little bit of the history to, to explain that. And FBD was set up in 1969 and the original name of the company from which FBD comes was Farmer Business Developments. And when FBD was set up, it was never intended that um, the activity be restricted to one activity. Okay, And maybe in the 70s and 80s, that was a somewhat fashionable concept in terms of conglomerates and diversification, etc., However, the insurance business was always the largest business and the insurance business was always kept quite separate from any of the other businesses. But the property and leisure arm uh, grew and um, was very successful uh, in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. Um, and the, the, the reason we made the decision to create a joint venture was to make sure that the insurance business has been predominantly the business where most of the energy, capital and resources have gone and we believe that it's in our shareholders' long-term interest for the focus to be even more and more on that. So the reason uh, for creating the joint venture was to make sure that we, we could reduce the activities in that over time and to really keep the focus on what we're really good at. Okay. Now, it's been a pretty torrid few years for the insurance sector as a whole in Ireland, hasn't it? Quinn Insurance was placed into administration and then um, acquired by Liberty from the United States. RSA, we saw in the past uh, 12 months, have removed three senior executives uh, over certain internal financial reporting issues. And Aviva have uh, been laying off staff uh, in recent years and sort of re- reducing their exposure to the Irish market, if you like. Um, so how has is, how is FPD fared in the round? During that period? Um, well, I think that I think we fared quite well. Uh, as you say, it has been a turbulent time, and the economic economic difficulties um, over the last five or six years haven't particularly helped. But we are an Irish company, and um, many of the competitors that you refer to have operations in many different companies, and, and they're um, and uh, they have they're focusing on lots of different territories. Our focus is one hundred percent in Ireland, and we have um, we've grown more or less year on year since our foundation um, 45 years ago but that growth has always been quite steady um, and we are focused on steady sustainable growth and we've done that in the last 12 of the 13 years we've grown um, bit by bit in terms of our market share and I guess we have even in the downturn we have invested very very significantly in this market okay so we have the reasons we've invested is to make sure that we can broaden the relationships with customers we've always had and and deepen them uh, in financial, it's, it's not all in financial terms because some of it is in terms of people, some of it in, in terms of products and some of it in terms of infrastructure. But uh, in terms of what we're currently investing, um, we are at the moment investing in, a, in a, a technology project. We're investing about 25 million. And the reason we're investing uh, that amount of money is that we believe it will place us better to, to react even faster to what customers want and it will improve the experience that our customers have. And I guess it's those type of investments that we are making and that we've made over the last number of years as well in different capabilities and in being able to reach different customers that we believe places very, very well. So they're investments that at the time might not not have looked very appetising to make, but certainly um, as the economy does recover, 
um, I think that they will absolutely uh, pay off for and us. And what about staff numbers? Are they increasing as the economy recovers? Yeah, our staff numbers uh, our staff numbers have increased. Uh, we Recently, we took on a number of new staff uh, to allow us to... Um, improve the customer experience from a t- telephone uh, telephone support for our customers of our sales office network um, and our staff numbers have also increased uh, particularly in relation to some of these projects I'm talking uh, that, that I've been talking about so how our staff have, numbers have increased by how many probably we have we probably have between 70 and 80 staff working on the projects I'm speaking about and we've probably increased our core staff numbers if you like in terms of um, you know, front-end staff by 40 or 50 over the last 12 months or so. Okay. Any plans to increase numbers in the next 12 months? Um, that will depend, I guess, on, on the success of the plants that we have. And I guess if we continue to acquire customers and continue to grow our customer numbers, uh, we, will, uh, we, we won't do that without making sure that we've the right staff to deal with them and the right staff to make sure that our customer service levels keep uh, to the high standards that we've always had. And given that your profits were down so sharply in the first half of the year, what can we expect from the second half Well, of 2014? Yeah, well, the second half of the year, um, we have reiterated, reiterated the guidance to the market, uh, which is to have a full year operating earnings per share between 70 or 80 cents per share. And um, that will depend on, again, if there's if there's no weather, that might be a bit better. If there's very bad weather, they might be a bit worse. But also, it will also depend on the pace at which frequency uh, frequency increases. But certainly, uh, we reiterated that guidance to the market, and that is our, our current view of what the profits will be between now and the year end. And finally, Andrew, the government has announced um, sort of the latest leg of the national payments plan. Uh, we're, in, we're just a couple of weeks away from E-Day mm-hmm. when the government is going to stop, the public service, if you like, is going to yeah. stop accepting uh, checks from businesses, from SMEs, etc. Just wondering um, how much of your business is actually now related to checks and what plans do you have to, the government would like businesses over a period yeah. of time to effectively move away from checks to electronic transfers. Uh, what, yeah. what plans do you have to, uh, to Well, a very substantial, the answer to that is a very substantial amount of our business is still, uh, is still, um, is still check-based. check-based and particularly, you know, on two sides. So we pay out a lot of checks and <laughs> we've paid out a lot of checks for customers for the claims for the first uh, six months of this year. But also many of our customers still like to pay by check. OK, so I think probably uh, 70% of certain portions of our business either pay by cash or check. OK, still. Now, I guess, you know, as I said, the way we've grown over the last 45 years is making sure that we're very close to our customers and we're doing what they want. And I, I, we're going to do that for, for as long as our customers want to pay, pay by cheque, they will. Uh, we, will uh, we will facilitate that. Now, we, will, we do have plans in place to uh, allow customers, for example, on, on payments that we make out, um, I think it's very likely that over the next 12 or 18 months we will pay claims uh, and other, uh, other expenses we will pay by different methods. Okay, but in terms of the payments that our customers make to us, and as you said at the outset, we have a very large volume of customers, and many of them do like to pay by check. And we will put other means in place that they can pay us by electronic funds transfer, etc. But for as long as um, it is possible and they want it, we will allow them to pay by check too. Because presumably, it would save you a lot of money if you could. I, I, don't, I don't know what it saves a lot of money, but it, 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 there might be some some efficiencies around it. But they probably wouldn't be huge, I think. But the, there might be some in terms of the handling, etc. But I, I don't think it would be very material or very substantial. Okay, Andrew Langford, thank you for joining us. That's it for this week. I'd like to offer my thanks to producer Sinead O'Shea and sound engineer Gary White. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. 
You're listening to the Irish Times Business Podcast. Brought to you by Ryanair Business Plus. Business made simple. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 